We are uh, going to wrap up our series today called This Is My Story, and uh, we'll, we'll jump into that here in just a few moments. Again, we're just so glad that you're here. If you're joining us on Facebook Live this morning, we're glad that you're with us as well. If you ever uh, can't be here, you can always go to our, our Rich Church Facebook page, and you can join us live on, on Facebook as we stream our 11 o'clock service there. Uh, but it's always better than just to be here. So. Uh, miss out on so much. But anyway, so we're just glad that you're here. Uh, thank you for being here today. So I want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, uh, coming up next week, a week from today, is Easter Sunday. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. It's a it's a huge deal. It's not just going to be a huge deal to us, but it's a huge deal all over the world and in churches all across the world. We're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, I'm often reminded this week of how important it is for us to not just think about, ponder, and celebrate the resurrection on Easter Sunday, but to really just think about it the entire year, because it's something for us that, that matters every single day, not just that one day. And um, But we will gather around uh, the, the empty tomb and, and resurrection of Jesus and, and celebrate that together on Easter Sunday. So I hope that you'll be here uh, with us for that. And I just want to remind you, uh, the 11 o'clock service during Easter Sunday really gets packed out. And so if the 11 o'clock is what you usually come to, you know, get here a little early, make sure that you get a seat. If you're bringing people with you, and I hope that you will, you want to make sure that you get a seat. Uh, but if you're worried about that, come to the 9 o'clock. There'll be a little bit more space in the 9 o'clock, and so uh, you, can, you can come to that one as well. So we hope that you'll be here for that. And then a few days before that is Good Friday. That's April the 14th, this coming Friday. Uh, we have a night of worship here at the Ridge. We're just going to sing songs about the cross and what that means to us. I've got a special message I want to share with you guys just about the cross of Jesus and and how that impacts us and what it means for us as followers of Christ. And so I hope you'll be here for that. That's at 7 o'clock Friday night uh, right here. And then for our kids, rich kids, during that service, the Good Friday service, uh, they're actually having their own service downstairs, just especially geared toward them. And uh, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to worship. They're going to have a lot of fun. They're going to talk about the cross and what that means. And so bring your kids. Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a, a great thing. And then uh, last thing, and we'll jump into the message. I've been talking about this for a few weeks. This is really, really uh, important for us uh, as a community. But one of the, our partners here at uh, the Ridge is uh, Norwood Schools. We, we love to partner with them. We love to be a part of that community in Norwood and Oliver Springs. And we're literally five minutes down the road here. So uh, they're having a uh, Comcast Cares Day where uh, Comcast is partnering with them. They're going to be doing some light cleanup and uh, different things like that around those campuses. And uh, we want you to be a part of that. My family is going to be a part of that. I hope that you'll be a part of that. And here's how that works. Uh, April 22nd, that's Saturday from 8 until about noon. Uh, they're just asking us to show up and, and come and, and help and volunteer to be a part of that. Uh, the way that you do that, this is really important, is you have to actually uh, sign up online so that it counts when you show up. And the reason why they want to count when you show up is because if they get, I think, 300 or so volunteers to be there, uh, they're going to donate a lot of money to those schools. And so that's a really, really big deal for those schools. Uh, if you're in teaching or working schools, you know how big of a deal that is. And so I, I would love for you guys to be there. And so if you have not gotten, it should have been in your weekly email that came out uh, to you last week or uh, this past Friday. If you didn't get that or missed it, make sure you fill out a connect card, put your email address on there. Make sure it's legible. All right. Otherwise, we send it to somebody that ain't you and they're like, I'm unsubscribing. So anyway, don't do that. Put your email address on there and we make sure that we get that information to you. Just click the link, sign up. And you'll be good to go. So, uh, like I said, today we're going to be wrapping up this uh, series on uh, story, and particularly our story. The 
is writing in you and what he's doing in you. And we've been talking about this for the last several weeks about how, how God is just, uh, no matter where you are in your journey with him, he is writing a story in you. And when God does something in us, just like we said a few moments ago, when God does something in us, it should come out of us. It should come out of us. And that's what we've been talking about. So today we're going to wrap that up. So if you missed any of this series, uh, go to our website, richchurch.cc, or go to iTunes. Uh, check us out there and catch up on the last couple of weeks because there's some really good practical stuff here. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 19. If you have a Bible, brought it with you. Uh, open it up to Luke 19. And uh, we're going to camp out there today. Scripture will be on the screen back here behind me so you can follow along there if you choose to. Um, one of my favorite things that we do is just the YouVersion Bible app, and so if you have that, uh, you can click on More and then Events, and you can actually follow along with all the scripture and notes in there, and there's something really good in there today, uh, always something really good in there, but today especially is uh, a link down at the very bottom. It's a link to a devotional that you can do this week to really just uh, bring uh, more enhancement to this week. This is what we call Holy Week. Uh, here, uh, just as, as followers of, of Christ, and, and there's a lot of really great things happening there, so if you want to take that to another level and just really enhance that, and I hope that you will, uh, click that link and use the YouVersion Bible app to, to do that devotional this week, because it'll really help you out with some really good stuff. So, uh, this story today, in particular, as believers and followers of Christ, today is something that we call Palm Sunday. And today is the day that uh, leading into Holy Week, this is the, the week before the resurrection, so we are seven days out from when we celebrate the resurrection, but in, uh, according to just uh, chronological, uh, biblical things that are happening, this is the week that Jesus entered into the, the city of Jerusalem, and they uh, stood outside the city as he came in, and they took palm branches, and they, they waved those palm branches, branches as they came in, and that's what we're going to look at today, and, and why that matters for us. And so, this story really starts, and you don't have to turn there, I'm just kind of let you know what's taking place up to this point, but really kind of starts way before Jesus even gets to Jerusalem. And so in John chapter 11, you see the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're uh, different accounts of the same story, but they're given from God to these people by these eyewitnesses. And John, being one of the eyewitnesses, sort of writes things from his perspective. We're going to look at, at the book of Luke, and so this guy Luke is writing from his perspective, and so they, they all work together, though. And so in John chapter 11, this is where things really start to ramp up. Because let me tell you what happens in John chapter 11. It's really a big deal. But Jesus, uh, Jesus is out. He's doing his thing. He's doing some ministry. And he has some friends, Mary, Martha, and a guy by the name of Lazarus. And Mary and Martha sinned for Jesus because Lazarus, had, their brother, had become very ill. And so they sent for Jesus because they were friends with Jesus. And they, they knew that, that Jesus was the Messiah. They knew that Jesus could do some really good things. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him you know, do these, these just miraculous things. And so they sent Jesus. They were like, if anybody can help Lazarus, it's going to be Jesus. And so they sent for him. And so if somebody comes to, to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you've got to come quick. Lazarus is sick. Mary and Martha, they need you. Lazarus may die if you don't come quickly. And so it says that Jesus waited a few days. Kind of odd. There's a whole reason for that. We don't have time to jump into that. But he does. He waits for a few days. And essentially, Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies. And so when Lazarus dies, he, Jesus finally decides to show up. And, and he goes and 
the sisters, they, they meet Jesus sort of along the way, about halfway out, right, as, as Jesus is coming out. And, and one of the sisters comes to Jesus, and she runs up to him, and she says, Jesus, you're a little late. Lazarus is already dead. And I love what she says next to him. She says, if you would have been here, this would not have happened. You, you ever felt like that with Jesus? You ever felt like that at times? Like, God, if you just would have shown up. If you would have been here, if you would have done what you said that you were going to do, if you would have done what I wanted you to do, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. Maybe I wouldn't be in this place. Well, that's how they felt. And I love what Jesus, this conversation that, that he, he has with them, because Jesus, he just, he just looks at them, and, and he has this conversation, and he says this, which didn't make sense at the time, but it will in a few days later. But Jesus looks at them and says, it's really for my good, it's really for your good that I was not here. What? Like, my brother just died. Like, how is that for my good? They hadn't hadn't put everything together yet, but it'll all come together soon. And then Jesus says something that you've probably heard before, but Jesus says, you know, essentially, I'm just paraphrasing, he says, do you trust me? Because I am the resurrection and the life. So Jesus goes to where they had laid Lazarus into... (coughs) The tomb. It was basically a grave, right? It was this cave, and it had a rock over it, and Lazarus is dead inside there. And, and so Jesus does this amazing thing. He, he tells these men, he says, hey, take, take that stone away. And I love what the Bible says. The Bible says, it's actually really funny. The, the guys are like, yeah, but Jesus, that guy's been dead for four days, and if we take that stone away, he's going to stink. That's what it says. And if you read the King James Version, it says, but Lord, he'll stinketh. Right? And it's like, it's pretty funny. True, but funny, right? And so uh, Jesus says, I want you to, to take that away. And so he does. And so Jesus, it says in a loud voice, he calls into the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And this amazing thing happens that, that this man who had been dead for days walks out alive. Walks out alive. And there's all of these people standing around and they see this and they're just like, what just happened? Like, that's amazing. Oh, my goodness. And it says that they worship him and they praise him because they had seen him do these amazing things. But there were some people that were standing there watching that day, and they thought to themselves, whoa, wait, wait a minute. That's not good. That's not good. So there were some that saw that that day, and they thought to themselves, you know what? If this spreads, if word gets out about this, and this revolt begins, like they already didn't like Jesus as it was. But they were really scared now because they thought, if he can bring dead people back to life, what can he do to us? What can he do to others? This is dangerous. We have to kill him. And so the wheels begin to be, be begin to turn and, and things begin to be set in motion for Jesus to die. And then a few days later, just not too long after that, it says that, that Jesus comes back and he comes back to, to Bethany is where this took place and says that he is eating with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the man who not too long ago was dead, right? So can you imagine that dinner table conversation? Like, what, what are they talking about, right? It's got to be a little crazy. And so they're having this conversation and they're talking. And, and, but there are all these other people. See, these other people have come and these other people have shown up because they're like, I've got to see this with my own eyes. We've heard that a man was dead and now he's alive because Jesus told him to get up and walk and he did. 
And so we've got to see this for ourselves. And so these other people came and they, they see this and they see Lazarus alive and they're upset. Some of them are. Some of them are really excited. Some of them are really excited because they, when they looked at Jesus, they didn't see Jesus for his ministry. They didn't see Jesus for what he actually said that he was. Because there had been moments leading up to this at times where Jesus would say things like, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He, or he would say things, you know, I am, you know, the son of God. I am he, you know, all of these things. And Jesus would say these things and it would just kind of fly over their heads. Because people would hear that and they, they would think this. We hear what you're saying, and we hear that you talk about this kingdom that you're going to set up. But the kingdom that we really want you to set up is we want you to overthrow the Roman government. See, the Jewish people, they were ruled by the Roman government. They were oppressed by the Roman government. So they didn't have a king for themselves. They had Caesar, and they didn't like Caesar. And when they saw Jesus and they saw what Jesus could do, they thought, hey, here's a guy. Here's a guy who can give us what we want. Here's a guy who can help us lead this revolt, this revolution. Here's a guy who's going to establish a new kingdom. And that new kingdom was going to be that he was going to set them free from oppression from the Roman rule. And so when these people saw Lazarus alive, they thought to themselves exactly what the people who wanted to kill Jesus thought. If he can do that, man, he's going he's gonna to set us free. But not free from our sins, free from Roman rule. So, in John chapter 12, uh, verse 12, um, in fact, I'll just, uh, I'll just read you a couple of verses here. You don't have to turn there because I want you to be able to hear this for yourself because it's really important leading up to Palm Sunday. But in John chapter 12, verse 12, it says, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Now, look at verse 17. It says, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this Sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, these were like religious leaders of the day. It says, so the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after you. And so they were not happy. And so on that day, when Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem, there were all of these people waiting there for him. Because they thought, now is the time. He's going to overthrow the Roman government. We can't wait for the Lord, our king. See, they thought he was a different kind of king. He was going to come in and set them free. And so let me read you the account of Palm Sunday, Luke chapter 9, or 19, starting in verse 28. It says this. It says, And when they had said these things, Jesus had, had just finished teaching a parable. It says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivia, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, you shall say this, The Lord has need of it. Now this is really important. I'll tell you why this is really important. 
It's because the disciples at the time, when they heard Jesus say this, I mean, just imagine this. Jesus is sitting there with his disciples, his 12 guys, right? They're all having this conversation, and they're about to go into Jerusalem. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to go on ahead of me, and you're going to see this donkey that's tied up. It's going to be there by itself. I want you to untie it. I want you to bring it back, because that's what I'm going to ride in on. And when somebody asks you why you need it, just tell them I said I need it. Right? Sounds safe enough, right? So, you know... That's good. And I love that because sometimes, listen to what he says. He says, tell them the Lord has need of it. And sometimes that's all we need, isn't it? Like to do what God has called us to do, we just need to know that God has called us to do it and told us to do it. Hey, why are you doing that? Because God told me to. All right? And so they go and they do exactly as Jesus said. Verse 32, it says, so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, hey, what was it that Jesus said to tell us? Oh, I remember now. The Lord has need of it. Okay, that'll work. Go on. And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, throwing their cloaks on the colt. They sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks along the road. Now, the reason why this is important is because in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus is actually fulfilling the prophecy of what this guy wrote way back in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before this. This guy, Zechariah, hears a word from the Lord and says, uh, essentially, it says this. Let me read it to you. Zechariah 9, verse 9. It says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, Full of a donkey. And so Jesus is fulfilling part of the reason why he's coming in, and he's fulfilling part of that prophecy. But that's not the only reason why he's riding in on a donkey. Check this out. This is verse 36, it says, or 37, it says, As was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that, that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And so Jesus is coming in, and all of these people are gathered, and they're waiting there for him. And many of them, many of them are there because, again, they think that Jesus is this different kind of king. But there are some of them that are there. That know Jesus to be who he said he was. That he was the son of God. That he was coming to liberate them from their sins. And that he was going to do everything that he said that he was going to do. So the crowd was a little bit mixed. But a majority of the crowd that were there that day, they were waving him in. They were honoring him. And they were praising him because they were excited that they were finally going to be free. Now, the reason why all of that is important, the reason why I give you all of that background information is because of this. Sometimes, I think that we've all been guilty of this, but sometimes, sometimes we look at Jesus and we get disappointed by him because we expected him to be something that he never said he was going to be. You see, so many of these people, they were about to be disappointed. Now let me tell you where the disappointment starts. Imagine this for a moment. This huge crowd of people that are standing outside of this 
this city of Jerusalem, and, and they're waiting for Jesus because they knew that he was coming. They look out and they, they look at the, the mountain out ahead of them and they start to see this cloud of dust because there's people coming with Jesus and Jesus is riding on this donkey and they see this cloud of dust and they're thinking to themselves, there he is, he's coming, I can see the cloud of dust, like he is almost here, it's time to get this on, I hope he's got a sword because it's going down now, right? Like that's what a lot of them are thinking in their heads and then Jesus rises up over the, the horizon and he begins to come down the mountain as they get a little bit closer, as he begins to get a little bit closer to the people, one of the guys probably looks around and says, whoa, 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 is he on a donkey? Now, let me ask you this question. If you were oppressed by another country and ruled by another country who happened to be the most powerful army in the world, who had swords and weapons and people and armor and all of these things, and you were expecting a person to rise up and lead a revolt to overthrow this most powerful army in the world, how much confidence would you have if you saw a homeboy riding down on a donkey? Right? Not, you're probably not very confident, are you? And you're probably not very excited. They expected Jesus to come riding in on a horse with a sword. Now... Jesus will be riding on a horse with a sword, but it wasn't this time. He's riding in on a donkey. Now, why, why is that important? Why does that matter? Well, again, immediately these people, some of them are just disappointed. They're like, I don't, a donkey? Uh, well, okay, like, we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. We'll, we'll see what he's got going on, right? So as it begins to come down... Some of them begin to, to get disappointed. And I, I, I kind of get it. And, and maybe you do too. Because I think at times, like, we've all been or have felt a little disappointed by God at times. Now, for me, like, I, th I think about times where I've, I've been disappointed by God. And, and here, here's what I know about my disappointment with God. Is that any time that I've ever been disappointed by him or felt disappointed by him, it's always because I thought that he was going to be someone that he never said he was going to be. I remember um, as a little kid, not too little, I was like maybe 10 or 11 years old, but I remember, uh, I remember this place in Pigeon Forge called Magic World. Anybody ever go to Magic World? Anybody remember that? All right, like three of you. All right, so that makes six people in all of our services today that have said that I actually remember Magic World. Well, Magic World was this place in Pigeon Forge, and uh, if you've been to Pigeon Forge recently, uh, I can tell you exactly where it used to be. Like, there's a, on the right-hand side, as you're going into Gatlinburg, there's a Hardee's right there, and there's this mini-golf place, and there's this huge, like, volcano mountain thing. With, it's a mini-golf place now with, a, with an airplane crashing into it. Great mini-golf course if you like mini-golf. But it's there. That's, that's where it's at. That used to be Magic World, and so back in the day, like, there were three amusement parks in Pigeon Forge. There was Opal's Water Park, Anybody? Uh, and Silver Dollar City, right? Before Dollywood. And then there was Magic World, right? That's it. That's all you had. And a whole bunch of mini golf and golf courses and, or uh, go-kart go places, right? And tie-dye and airbrush t-shirts, which are still there. By, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, so Magic World. I remember Magic World. And I remember I'd, I'd never been to Magic World, but I wanted to go. I could not wait to go. So my parents, they took me and a couple of my friends. We went to Magic World. 
I could not wait. In fact, I, one of the things I was most excited about was right outside, right out front. If you've ever been there, you remember this, you might remember this, but there was this, this spider ride that was out there. And this spider ride had, had these like tentacles off, you know, and there were like 10 tentacles off the side. The spider was supposed to have eight, it had 10, I don't know, it's from a bridge. And so, um, <laughs> had these 10 tentacles, and on the end of each tentacle was a uh, little car that you rode in, and so the thing spun around like this, like the, the tentacles did, the whole ride did, and then the end where those little cars were, they spun like this, right? And so I was super pumped about it. I couldn't wait. Like, I was so excited about it. All my friends, they were thinking, it's like, oh, man, I don't, I don't want to ride that thing. Like, that thing looks scary, and so I'm talking smack the whole way up there, right? Like, I'm just talking about, you're going to cry like a baby, you know, and you're involved, you know, you're, you're going to get sick, and you're not even going to get on it, you know, so I'm like talking smack, so we get there, we go to Magic World, we do the Magic World thing, walk around all day, I'm still talking smack, finally get to the end, it's the last thing that we did, and I get in the uh, car, and I sit there, and there's one of my other buddies in there, and, and uh, you know, so they, uh, they start the ride up, and they're up before they start the ride up, they put this little latch over you, which was really kind of crazy, it was the 80s, nothing was really safe back then, and so they just put this like one little latch over, over you, and so like anybody could have just gotten out, and um, I remember getting in there and sticking in there, and so the thing starts to spin, and it starts to go around, and that little car starts to spin a lot faster, and I realized very quickly that I don't like things that spin. Um, but here I am. I'm stuck in this thing. And so, again, as I said, it's the 80s. Nothing was really safe. I just slink out of this, like, you know, thing, right? It was just this one little bar. I just kind of like slink out of it and ball myself up in the bottom of this thing that's spinning like this and just start crying like a baby. Like, I, I'm literally, like, I want, I'm screaming, get me off, you know, that whole thing and everything like that. And, of course, my friend is up there just laughing at me the whole time. Right? You know, he's loving it, and I'm dying. And it's awful, right? It's awful. And I remember getting out, you know, they opened the little car up, and I, I was so dizzy, like, I'm kind of just, you know, walking like this, you know, out of the whole thing. And I remember, like, I'll never forget this. I was so disappointed. I was disappointed in myself, but I was disappointed in the ride because it was not what I thought it was going to be, right? And that's, that's a funny story, but if we're all being honest, like, we can think about times where we thought that Jesus was going to do this or be that or do this or do this. But what ended up happening is that, that we just made Jesus out to be someone who we never said he was going to be, and so therefore we ended up disappointed. Maybe he didn't show up when we thought he was going to show up. Or, you know what? We prayed that prayer. We've all done this, right? We've prayed that prayer where we prayed, we prayed that God would change someone else. You ever prayed that prayer? God, change that person. Do something in that person. Change that person's life. But what he actually ends up doing is changing your life. And when you realize that he's changing you and not them, you're like, whoa, time out. That's not what I prayed for. Like, I didn't say anything about me. We need to do something about that jerk, right? Like, that's what needs to happen. And so we get disappointed. The people that were standing outside of the city that day, some of them got disappointed. Because they see this man who they thought was going to ride in and overthrow the Roman government, and they see him riding in on a donkey, and they're like, wait, wait, wait a minute. It doesn't make sense. Not only that, but these people who had started sort of behind the scenes this plot to kill Jesus. They started working behind the scenes with Judas and, 
and some of the others to, to make sure that, that Jesus would die. And they saw this. And they thought to themselves, perfect. This is going to be easy. Right? See, anytime that we make Jesus out to be someone who he never said he would be, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be disappointed. So as Jesus, as Jesus comes in, I think there are really three things that, that, that we see. One is we, we've talked about the first two already, that, that, that he is establishing, he's going to be establishing his authority over everything. So we see him as powerful. We see him as, as God's king, not their king, but as God's king. King as in such a, like, king uh, David or king, you know, king of the land. He is certainly king, but not the king that they wanted him to be. And then the third thing is that he's worthy of praise. In fact, Jesus says this in verse 40. When the Pharisees, they said that the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, he says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus is essentially saying, look, if they're not going to praise me, if they're not going to honor me for who I really am, then you know what? I'll make the stones cry out because I'm worthy of it. I'm worthy of it. And we'd be at that moment that as Jesus comes in that day, that some people in the crowd would be disappointed. Some would be mad. Some would be upset. But some, some would be hopeful. Some would be hopeful. And in the very next verse is verse uh, 41. It says that Jesus, it says as he drew near and he saw the city, it says that he wept over it. Saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. And essentially what he's saying is he's like, look at all of these people. Look at, look at how they've deceived themselves, thinking that peace would come differently. Instead of that made him cry, he says, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because, listen, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And that made Jesus weep because he looked at all of these people and he saw all of these people who some were disappointed, some were mad. And they didn't see him for who he was. They didn't see him for the Savior of the world. They didn't see Him for the Son of God in the flesh among them, the God incarnate. They didn't see Him for that. They didn't see Him for this heavenly King. They saw Him for what they hoped would be this earthly King. And it made Him weep. So, how all this ties together and fits into this series is, is like this. One, let me, let me just ask you this. For those of you that are followers of Christ and you're believers and, and you call yourself a, a Christian because God has done something in you, He has saved you, and you've, you've been walking with Him, let me, let me ask you this question. 
It says that Jesus wept when he saw these people. When's the last time that, and I'm asking myself this question, but when's the last time that we wept over those who were far from him? Who saw him differently than what he really is? When's the last time that we really just kind of thought about that and thought about maybe the people that are close to us, people that we know, people that you work with, people that you go to school with, people that you go to the gym with, all of those people, the people that you just do life with. When's the last time that you thought about those people and thought about where they are in their relationship with Christ? And not just where they are, but really thought and prayed and just wept over that. Maybe you're not a crier and that's that's okay. Maybe you just thought about it intently to the point to where it caused an emotion inside of you. You see, I believe with all my heart that that when God does something in us, it should come out of us. It should come out of us. We have to recognize him for who he is. And I think if we recognize him for who he really is, for what he truly is, the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, God in the flesh, that he came to be amongst us, to walk amongst the people that he left, the comfort of humanity, or comfort of heaven, and and entered into the mess of humanity with us to save us and rescue us from our sins, that when we see him for that... Not when we see him for our piggy bank. Not when we see him for, you know, our magic genie in the bottle that every time we need something, we just go knock on his door. But for Savior. That when we see him for that, that should do something in us. That should cause something in us. That should excite us. That should make something come out of us. And I hope that something that will come out of us, this is what we've been talking about, is I hope that our story will come out of us. That we'll be able to say, hey, this is who Jesus is. This is what he has done in me. This is what he is doing in my life right now. I don't get it. I don't understand it all. But here's what it is. And I want to share it with you because it matters to me. And I want it to matter to you. Because I know that if he can change my life, I know he can change you. That's why this is important. That's why we've been talking about this. I want to I show you guys a video. Um, we uh, I had a chance to sit down with a, a couple of people that attend here at the Ridge um, this past week. and uh, Last week we showed Madison's story. And, and uh, in Madison's story, you know, she, she talked about this, this struggle and this time in her life where... Um, where her mom had passed away and she went through this really difficult time, but she had people who came around her and who shared their story with her and, and cared for her and loved on her and invited her here to the bridge. And here we are a year later. She's um, walking with Christ and baptized and, and God's doing amazing things in her life. And we shared her story last week. And this week I want to share you share with you another story of some people that attend here at the bridge. And, and, and I love their story because in their story it really ties into what we talked about last week about how uh, I asked a couple of questions last week. I asked, you know, are, are you willing to listen to the voice of God? Because you know, God is speaking to us. Are we, are we willing to listen to Him? Not only are we willing to, need to be willing to listen to Him, but, but are, are, we, are we ready to take an action? Not only just take an action, but, but how often is it that we actually pray for and ask for an opportunity to share the story that we have in us with others? And I said this last week, that if you will 
Ask God for the opportunity. I promise you he will give you the answer. And then I ask this. Are we willing to take the risk? Are we willing to take the risk to, to just share our story? And all, of the, all three of these things are, are in this story with these, with these people um, here at the Ridge. So I want to show you this story, and then I'll come back for just a few moments and we'll close. Check, take a look at this. <laughs> 